0: There's there's a lot to the story, but the nuts and bolts of it. So this is um, the uh, United Automobile, you know, bunch of A's, aerospace, agricultural workers of America. So UAW members a John Deere strike for improved standard of living, retirement benefits, and a better work environment. Uh, so they sh- they started the strike at midnight um, today. After the company failed to present an agreement that met members demands and needs, our members at John Deere strike for the ability to earn a decent living, retire with dignity and establish fair work rules, said Chuck Browning, Vice President and Director of the UAW's Agricultural Implement Department. We stay committed to bargaining until our members' goals are achieved. UAW president Ray Curry said the almost 1 million UAW retirees and active members stand in solidarity with the striking UAW members at John Deere. So this I find striking and this this kind of, you know, sums up why why these folks are striking profits at John Deere have skyrocketed by some 61 percent in recent years. While its CEO's salary has exploded by 160% since the start of the pandemic, please do not tell me they cannot afford to pay their workers fairly. I am proud to stand in solidarity with UAW members on strike. And so for a little bit more context, for anyone just catching up on the 10,000 worker UAW strike at John Deere, here's how you can get up to speed. So Jonah Furman at Labor Notes has been doing a fantastic job. Uh, of following this, even before it, it made big news. So, uh, as we scroll down, the history of this strike puts everything into context. So, in early September, Deere presented a disastrously bad first offer to the membership. They likely wanted to lower expectations by super lowballing them, but ended up pissing everybody off. And members authorized a strike by 99%. <laughs> Imagine how much. It takes to get a group of people to agree to something at a 99% rate. Well, especially here in the United (laughs)
1: States where it's like, we have a system set up that it's not easy for people to strike. And that's by design. I mean, so mm-hmm. many people—they're—they're they're one paycheck away from missing rent or—or—not or being able to get groceries. So people are scared to strike. So yeah, you have to really, really piss people off where ninety-nine percent of them—I mean, if there were a hundred workers, one guy was like, "I don't know, I'm kind of freaking right." Nervous. I, I really do we want to risk taco Tuesdays and everyone else is like fuck you buddy we're taco oh sorry Tuesdays. are we allowed are we allowed to curse oh yeah should.
0: you can yeah you can you can <laughs>
1: but, Colin's
0: uh, become very adept at bleeping uh Jordan's curses for example. oh okay all right <laughs> when, fair when enough. he does well, sorry the, um, Colin <laughs> no yeah when he does the the uh, the clips later so we're it's all good I got um you. so the number goes down a little bit as we go through like from the 99 but it's still very high you guys will see Um, So they get to the edge of a strike on October 1st, but at the very last second, the UAW and Deere announced an extension, averting a strike and further pissing off members, then a tentative agreement that they wouldn't let anyone see for a week. Continuing down. On Sunday, so meaning this past Sunday, members shocked both the union and the company by rejecting the contract by a whopping 90%, with 90% of members voting. This seems to have been a wake-up call to the UAW, who quickly announced a strike deadline of tonight. And by the way, we won't get into this today, but there are some issues that some of these workers have with the UAW itself, including you know voting in leaders, et cetera, which is a whole other issue. Uh, Just because it's union doesn't mean it's perfect. (laughs) Um, So 90% with 90% of members voting is still incredibly enormous. So there are about 10,000 workers on strike right now, which, you know, historically John Deere has gone on strike, but that was decades ago. And so this is something new. What's your first kind of take about this, Ron, about the, the fact that this is happening?
1: Well, I mean, my first take is that this is awesome and, and I'm glad that it, it's getting a lot of press. And, you know, I mean, there were so many, I mean, Nabisco went on strike. Kellogg's is going on strike. The, the, the stage workers here, a lot of it's in LA, they're going on strike. So there's a lot of strikes happening. Um, and, and I also want to mention, you know, they mentioned how they felt like the UAW, the leadership at the top, you know, wasn't really having their back, you know, as leftists in the United States, I mean I, I am very pro-union except for cops because everyone yes. has this exception. Mm-hmm. But uh, for the most part, I am very pro-union. However, we do have to recognize that for a very long time in this country, going back to you know years before you and I were born, Jen, mm-hmm. there has been a very concentrated effort to defang unions in this country and to reduce membership. And we have low membership of unions throughout the United States. And, and a lot of times the people at the top um, are kind of just looking out for the company, not the people that's not, there's still great unions despite all that in the United States. There still are, but there's, there's definitely some corruption going on at the top and that's very deliberate. And that was through a 60 a year effort. I mean, they really started this in the sixties and they've seen a lot of success, unfortunately. Um, so I think that we really need to make it clear in our messaging that, that we are pro union because we know what a union can be and we know what a union should be. And, you know, part of the mission is not just to uh, get more membership in unions, but also to foster the good unions and reclaim what it means to be a union and, and force the bad ones out. So, uh, you know, I, I think that is an important part of the conversation that we need to address because, you know, you'll get met with, you know, and and I've gotten this myself. I mean, a a guy who I know in my personal life, he was in this, this union for, I I believe it was hotel workers and they rolled over and they told them, Hey, you either get healthcare or a 401k, you don't get both. What do you mean? You Mm. don't get both as a worker. So, so, and that sours people on unions. People don't see that as, Oh, um, you know, this is a systemic thing that they're they're working against us. They see this as a reason to be against unions. So we got to push back against that and say, no, 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 these, we need to reclaim what it means to be a union because a union is the only power you got.
0: Yeah. I think that's so interesting because it, to, to kind of look at the history of unions as you were just referencing of how, yeah, they have lost their teeth, and they've also kind of, in many people's minds, lost their standing of importance. And seeing, for example, which Jordan's reported on a lot, that when uh, Amazon workers, including at the Staten Island warehouse, um, are, are trying to unionize, and then down in Bussemer, Alabama, where the, the propaganda that Amazon puts out against unionizing and and really hitting on all these psychological points to get people to not want to join a union it's it's disgusting and i think that they really kind of sharpened themselves yeah
1: oh my god what they did was so. and and again shout out to you guys because there was a handful of people talking about this uh you know i mean i talked about it on my show y'all talked Mm -hmm. about it uh, but barely anyone covered what was going on in Bessemer. And it, yeah. it was like something out of a dystopian comic book. I mean, I mean the way they took out the traffic light yes, so that workers yeah. couldn't freaking talk to other workers. So for anyone mm-hmm. who signed the know, and, and I, I know we don't want to harp on this too much, but like there were wor- workers, one of the few places workers could pass out their information because they couldn't do it inside of Amazon. You weren't allowed to do that. So People would have to pass out flyers while people were stopped at a stoplight going into work. They worked with the city to get those stoplights taken out <laughs> so that you couldn't talk to people. And and, and the way that they targeted people on uh, on breaks, like, like if someone asked a pro union question, they would take down your information. They ha- I mean, the National Labor Board. Was against everything Amazon did. Like, Amazon was like, can we just put this thing in the middle of the workplace with a bunch of cameras and only we have access to it? And that's how people vote. And the labor board was like, no, you fucking psychos. You can't, oh, sorry, Colin. No, No, you can't do that. (laughs) You really can't do that. And Amazon was like, well, we're going to do it anyway did you see our guy just went to space in his penis rocket we're doing it anyway (laughs) and they did (laughs) and and, and it's just i mean i guess like the labor board kind of ruled they should have to redo that vote i i don't know where it's at presently
0: when you think about like a john deere worker in iowa or illinois which is where these folks are mostly based um they're Often, you know, across the board, they're not necessarily Democrats, they're not necessarily, you know, they're not maybe they're independent, maybe they're whatever. Mm -hmm. But it's about, you know, working the working class. It's about people who see that they're being taken advantage of. Um, I'm curious on uh, about your thoughts on how like politics and leftism versus rightism plays into this. Sure. I mean,
1: I, I think that they've really, and again, this was through the defanging of unions over the past 60 years. I mean, I mean, there was a time where the Republicans were pro union. The Republican Party was actually pro union. Of course, the Democrats were too. Now, both parties are anti union. Yeah, they, they are. Yeah. I mean, Republicans and Democrats are anti union. So yeah, I mean, They try to make you think like like any type of working class solidarity is automatically communism or whatever other buzzword they're using to scare you. And um, I mean, yes, I am a, a huge lefty and unions are one of the many things I am for. But a union is by no means just a left wing idea. And in fact, you know who really loves unions? People who are in good ones. Those are people who love unions. And I can tell you, I mean, you know, I'm from the Rust Belt. I grew up in Western Pennsylvania. So uh, there is still some union strong stuff going on in that area. And I can point you in the direction of some steel workers in in Youngstown, Ohio. I can point Mm. you in the direction of some people in in the Carpenters Union who I've come across in my life. They are as pro-union as you can possibly get. And I, I mean, I... I don't even know the personal politics of all of them. I, I mean, I, I, I don't I don't think they're like super far right or anything, but I, I don't even know. I couldn't tell you. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I don't even think they're all that political. So uh, so, yeah, I mean, again, that, that just goes into the uh, just assault on the working class to, to kind of just turn people against their own interests.
0: I don't know what your thoughts are on how we get around this sort of propaganda to make true changes.
1: That I mean, that's a fantastic question. I mean, my first exposure to a union, I was a teenager working at a grocery store. It was my first part-time job. My hair looked a lot like yours, Jen. At the time,
0: Uh, (laughs) I want to see pictures. I'll I'll show you some
1: pictures. But uh, but, and I was just pushing these grocery carts outside, collected the carts. That was one of my favorite things to do. Um, because, uh, you know, it kind of got you out of the store and you could spend some time outside. And if you were lucky, one of your coworkers might've been smoking something, uh, but, uh
0: <laughs> but, but,
1: yeah, so, I mean, I, I would do that. And this guy came up to me and he said, Hey, and he gave me his card and he said, just so you know, you're one of us, part of your paycheck goes to us, even though, you know, you're just a part-time kid in school and whatnot. And so, uh, are they treating you okay here? And I said, yeah, I I think I'm happy here. And he said, well, if anything changes, you give me a call. And I thought it was so cool. And I don't think this was, I mean, I think this was a guy, I don't know what his personal (laughs) politics were. It's not like he came up to me and he's like, we're going to control the means of production. I mean, I wish that, I (laughs) wish he would have done that. That would have been even freaking cooler, but, um, but it was, it was still cool to me as, as a kid. So, as far as how we combat that, I, I mean, I think the best way we combat that is by winning. I mm. think the best way we combat that is when you see strikes that are successful. And strikes, I mean, let's be real here. When strikes are infiltrated properly, you know, when strikes aren't stopped, mm. when strikes aren't, you know, like, like just kind of stopped in the, in it before they really get going, they pretty much have a hundred percent success rate. Yeah, I mean, I don't hey, we carried out this strike and nothing got better. Has anyone ever said that? I'm pretty right. sure they haven't. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure a lot of the factory workers in Germany they don't have a 28.5 hour work week because they ask nicely. They have it because they strike and they don't take shit. Um, uh, same with in France, Italy, et cetera, et cetera. So I think that's how you you know get past those stigmas that you know we have in this country through the help of uh, years of corporate media propaganda. You win and you show people this isn't about left or right. This isn't about whatever ism you want to throw at it. This is about getting paid a decent wage for your labor. Your labor builds this wealth and you deserve a living wage and you deserve a decent vacation. And you deserve to send your kids to college and you deserve a decent house. You deserve a decent quality of life. For your labor. That's that's what we're sold is the American dream. And that dream's been dead for a long freaking time. And it's time to take it back. I, I think that's how we, we got to win and we got to show people this is what it means. It's more money in your bank account. It's a better quality of life. And by the way, this isn't anything other than what you deserve. You deserve this. You are a worker. You are the backbone of this country. You are the backbone of this world. You deserve a decent quality of life.
0: Oh, Ron, that is so good. I that's so good. Let's clip that and send it out to all workers. <laughs> <And> <laughs> I that's incredibly well said and I completely agree. I think that strikes are are catching and so is success or, you know, having or coming through a strike successfully with having worker demands met. I wonder, hey, I, I,
1: I like to tell people I'm not even following playoff baseball, but I am so stoked about strikes right now. Yeah, I don't, I don't even know which teams are playing, but man, all the strikes I'm seeing, I'm stoked.
0: <laughs> I, I think some major outlet actually called it like the before times, which people have been saying on Twitter. But I think it was CNN or one of those big outlets that that said that, and everyone's like, "Oh, damn, that's true." But um, I wonder if part of what we're going through with COVID and seeing that companies and billionaires and millionaires you know the rich are getting richer and yeah. the rest of us are getting way poorer and and yeah. are sick and dying and, and can't afford healthcare and and this and that um i don't know what are your thoughts on on how covid affects strikes and the will to strike or the I drive
1: think, i think in the like big picture scheme of things covid just really exacerbated what was already happening i mean we were we were slowly just descending into straight up neo feudalism and covid just just amped it up to 11 and i think it really jolted a lot of people and a lot of people were were just like we're not going to take this anymore this is freaking ridiculous we're not going to i mean you guys you know people had to you know fight tooth and nail for unemployment during a pandemic you shouldn't have to when, when there's a pandemic one of the reasons we have a federal government is so that when something like a pandemic happens, they got you that that's just something that's just what I, uh, most other countries, they understood that people just got checks and, and there was nothing like, like wages were covered. Businesses were, it was all just frozen here. We were just like, Oh, let's do nothing. See how it works out. Didn't work out too great. Well, except for really freaking rich people in wall street worked out great for them. They yeah. got one of the largest transfers of wealth ever in human history well, people were, you know, left to fight about crumbs and people are fed up and they're walking. every time I see like, oh, we can't open because people are good, good. If you're not paying living wages, good. Stay closed. Stay mm-hmm. closed. And, and, and I'm just, you know. There are so many things, you know, like, oh, you can't get this. We should all be eating local anyway. We should all mm-hmm. be eating local to the absolute best of our ability. Mm-hmm. And, and I know that, like, you know, it all depends on your circumstance. Some people, they're able to grow their own food. Other people, I mean, I sure as hell can't do that. I live in an apartment in, in Southern California. But uh, but I have access to farmer's market that I, pay, I patronize to the best of my ability. We should all um you know be living locally to the best of our abilities and and we should just you know so these massive supply chains all of this we got to fight back against it the absolute best we can and i think that covid it just i mean it, it just pushed us towards that cliff that we were already heading off of and now we're dangling outside of it and we're like well we have a choice we can either just straight up go off this thing or we can make a turn and go in a better direction. And I sincerely hope we do the latter. Obviously, I think we all do. Will we? I can't say for sure, but I sure as hell hope we do. And I'm sure going to do everything that I can as an individual to try to make us make that choice. Because there's no reason we have two choices at the end of the day. We continue consuming ourselves to death or we really restructure society so that we focus on human needs and being stewards to the earth. There's a word for what I just described. It's called eco-socialism. That is literally the only, that's our only choice. Like, that's it. Like, there's no, like, like. look, I was walking around the other day and uh, I was smelling smoke. I was thinking, oh, uh, is someone having a cookout? No, I was smelling the fire from Santa Barbara. which oh, is a little God. bit farther away. Fires are commonplace. One coast is flooding. The other is on fire. And there's a lot of shit going on in the middle too. This is, not, mm. there is no incremental option. There is no timid option. There are literally two choices, and we cannot continue capitalism. And by the way, it's not crony capitalism. It's not corporatism. It's capitalism. Stop putting these adjectives in front of it to polish this turd. It's freaking capitalism. Capitalism is the pursuit of profit and private ownership, and the people with the money make the rules. That's what it is. That's what it's always been. That's why the same thing has happened Anytime it's been tried to, throughout human history. If capitalism was a car, it would break down every 2,800 miles. That is a lemon. That is definitionally what that is. It is an abortion of an economic system that needs to be abolished. There's no ethical way to do it. That's a bunch of hogwash. So we either do eco-socialism, we base our, our, our world around human needs and being stewards of the earth, or we're going bye-bye. The planet's not going anywhere. We are. And in 100,000 years, the planet will be fine again.
0: Mm-hmm. That is such a, yeah, that is such a good point, a good way to look at it, an important way to look at it. I um, I think people don't realize how how capitalist things are to the point where, you know, getting certain, even fruit or whatever, like fruit could travel to three different countries before it reaches us. And so, when you talk about like eating local and um, eco socialism, et cetera, like, yeah. this is how screwed up things are. Like, why should a banana travel to three countries? <laughs> like, what? It's I, I, can,
1: I can show you the tree where I get my bananas. Uh, you know, it's from a community garden in my neighborhood, which someone asked where I'm at. I live in San Pedro. But, um, but, but yeah. So, yeah, no, th- that's one of those things. It's something we don't talk about enough. And I get it. It's not really the sexiest topic in the world. Like, let me tell you about my farmer's market. But but it is incredibly important. And I'm not saying that, like, I never go to a grocery store. Of course I do. But, you know, I really try. I don't buy much produce there because I get all my produce from my farmer's market. And it's not just better for the planet. It's better for me. Mm -hmm. Have you ever do this experiment? buy a carrot from your farmer then buy a carrot from the grocery store mm. eat the carrot from your farmer a delicious freaking carrot that they pick from the ground and then eat a, a, a carrot themed uh water container which is what the carrots you get in the store i don't even know what the hell those things are but they're <laughs> screwing us over and you're going to be like what the hell is this what are they doing to our food a bunch of bullshit in the lab that's what yeah. they're doing so yeah Yeah, eat local and you don't have to be wealthy to eat local. There's so much, there's more consumer supported agriculture than people realize. You just have to know how to look for it and you have to dig for it. No pun intended, because (laughs) again, powerful people don't want you to know about it. Powerful people want you to just go to, to, to Kroger or Walmart or wherever else. And I'm, I'm not saying you should avoid those things, but I mean, I, I get it. Sometimes you don't have a choice. I understand that, but. They don't want you to know what alternatives exist. They don't want you to know that. And if you did, and we all started, you know, shopping that way, I'm not going to say that's going to solve all of our problems. Of course it won't, but it's going to enrich all of our lives.
0: So this is from um, Jamie Hen, and this is day four of the people versus fossil fuels. And they're really trying to get that hashtag going uh, for folks in the audience. So just so you know, um, and 30 more, more, you know, from earlier in this week, arrested at the White House. 50 Indigenous leaders occupy Bureau of Indian Affairs. Demonstrators will march to the Capitol on Friday. So go ahead and uh, show those images and then we'll do the press release, Colin. The solidarity, I think, is really inspiring and, and important. Um, it's It's great to see. Um, so with this press release, 130 more arrested at the White House, 50 plus Indigenous leaders. It's, it's the same as the tweet for the headline. So the uh, press release says 530 people have been arrested for civil disobedience at the White House since demonstrations began on Monday. And let me give some context for those who haven't been to the White House lately. It used to be the case that you, so there's a, there's a like a black pointy fence. It's very tall, but it's not, you know, to the sky tall in front of the White House. And you used to be able to go right up to that and, and kind of see what's going on or whatever. It's all the way across the lawn, but that's what you could do. Um, in recent times, because of the Black Lives Matter protests when George Floyd was murdered, uh, etc., It's been pushed back, back, back. Like you can't get anywhere near um, the White House at this point. I am, honestly, I'm, I'm not astonished, but I wish it were the case that I could be astonished that so many people have been arrested for this for protesting in front of the White House. Like that is an American thing. There have been protests in front of the White House since it's existed. This one just shows that uh the kind of cop response to indigenous folks and allies um <laughs> it's just incredible so as the outside support at the doi building chanted and saying their support to the indigenous leaders occupying the bia metro police created bicycle barricades and brought out their canine units to try to subdue the already peaceful assembly. And that is what the cops do, particularly in DC. They try to take peaceful actions and, and escalate them, uh, which I know happens around the country. And then Colin, the fight, um, the people versus fossil fuels clip. So this is the actual group that's organizing this this next clip and they were kind enough to give us permission to share their work to share this clip of indigenous people occupying during a sit-in in in the bureau of indian affairs The look on the this Indigenous woman's face, you know, um, being arrested.
1: She looks. She looks very violent. I'm sure she was causing a. Oh ton yeah. Of trouble. Totally. And, and that arrest was was totally necessary.
0: Absolutely necessary. Can't can't you see? She's she's just so selfish and and horrible. You know, fighting for water and land for other people. Oh, man.
1: Well, and, and uh, Joey Peltier, I, I believe is how you say his name. He's mm-hmm. up in Minnesota, and, and he's part of Honor of the Earth. He's been on he's been on my show before, mm. and and he DM me. Uh, I, I believe he got arrested on Monday. Okay, uh, but he he DM me on Twitter, you know, shortly after his arrest. I, I I guess they didn't hold him for very long, and I you know I didn't get a ton of details from him because uh, he was kind of in the middle of a lot of stuff, but uh, but he did tell me like he's okay, so and he said they're not going anywhere. So.
0: Oh, that's that's really good you know. to hear. Um you know. oh, this this just this is horrible. Um Colin, now if you can play the clip of activists arrested in the police van, this is from today. Some some more indigenous folks getting arrested. And they're actually in the back of the van. And I'm very nervous. What? The heat is on.
1: All right, we're live. All right. Hi, everyone that's watching. We're here right now. We're locked up. The heat is on in here. It's hot. You have a bunch of people on here. There's, there's a female on the other side saying that her thumb. She can't feel her thumb. It's getting tingly. They even threatened to use excessive force to hurt someone to get them in here. A woman. So she's crying right now. She she said she was getting excited. She's having anxiety because she can't feel her thumb. And it's numb right now. She can't. And the heat is... On. They're trying to say they put the AC on but the heat's on it's hot in here. We're sliding
0: around in
1: here. So come join us. It's not too late. Get out your motherfucking seats and hit the streets. Good wish.
0: I just wow. Um the continued spirit of those folks who are in awful conditions in the back of that police vehicle uh i i think it's inspiring it's also you know it brings tears to my eyes it, it why is this happening
1: well it's so frustrating to see to see i mean even just going beyond these actions this week to see uh, i mean Think about the younger generations who have spent their childhoods, you know, just trying to fight to make sure that they have a planet to live on. Um, And, you know, they're being told by, let's be honest, people who are going to be dead and gone before it gets really bad. They're being told by the likes of Dianne Feinstein and Joe Biden to just shut up. Mm -hmm. Uh, And these indigenous people who are just asking for uh, lay off the water supply, and by the way, it doesn't just affect the indigenous people who live there. I mean, the, the these pipelines go over the water tables of like a, t- a huge portion of the nation's water supply. Yeah, I mean, as you, I mean, you guys report on on water issues a lot, so so it's like this is a serious, significant thing, and we have an administration that is doing pretty much nothing. Um, you know, we had an administration before that that did worse than nothing because they made things. I mean, basically, it's like you see the same thing. You see Republicans make it way easier for oil and gas to do their thing. And then Democrats don't make it any more difficult and, and maybe do a few gestural things. And that's about it. I mean, I mean, you saw Biden. He did a couple gestural things. They got knocked down in court. Like, oh, well, I guess we're done here. Right. Um, you know, he did stop Keystone XL, which that was good. But again, I mean, that was like the bare minimum. Everyone's mm-hmm. looking at him. He didn't have a choice. And Justin Trudeau's trying to talk him out of that, and he'll yeah. probably succeed at some point. So, I mean, you really... I take a little bit of solace in knowing that climate change is an issue that we are facing as one world because other parts of the world are moving forward. And if we keep protesting and we keep striking and we keep, you know, just getting out in the streets, eventually the U.S. is going to have to go along with other places in the world that are actually doing something. The Denmark's of the world, the Norway's of the world. Um, I mean, even China is doing more than we are. I mean, I mean, China is a big polluter. That's, that's why I say even China, because they are a big polluter, but they're at least like making these legit green efforts compared to us. I mean, we're doing nothing. Yeah. And, and we are the biggest polluter in the world because we we're, we're running the war machine, which is the biggest polluter in the freaking world. Mm-hmm. And so, you know it's really discouraging to see, but um, but it's encouraging that there are so many people, um, who are just saying we're not going to take this anymore, and it's been going on around the world. I mean, I mean, simultaneously, while well, this was going on out in the UK. They erected a, a statue of Boris Johnson covered in oil because of some uh, drilling he wants to do. So,
0: so Alexandria ocasio Cortez plans a town hall tomorrow. So here's what is up. Um Friday, joint town hall with representatives Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and Jared Huffman. Um, so this is a media release, just so everyone knows. That's why it references media stuff. Um, so on Friday, October 15th at 5.30 p.m. Eastern, representatives Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and Jared Huffman will be holding a virtual town hall. During the event, the Congress members will discuss the ongoing negotiations around the reconciliation package and infrastructure bill. All that is to say, <laughs> Ron, what, is your, what are your thoughts in general? First of all, let's start like more broadly on what's happening with um, progressives or so-called progressives surrounding this reconciliation bill.
1: Well, it's been very cringe to watch. I mean, this reconciliation bill is already a compromise of a compromise of a compromise. It might get compromised even further. Uh, People are grossly misled about what's really going on. The uh, trillion dollar package, the quote bipartisan package, which by bipartisan, they mean Republicans along with gems like uh, Manchin and Cinema, That's what they mean. And yeah. Pete Buttigieg, that's what they yeah. mean by "quote <laughs> bipartisan." So uh, there's a ton of poison pills in that trillion uh, in yes. that trillion dollar bill. I mean, that they're trying, they're looking into privatizing our roads, charging people a per mileage fee. That would be a freaking mm-hmm. disaster, especially as a Tory performer. I mean, that that would completely change my life and not for the <laughs> better. Mm-hmm. Um, so there are a lot of poison pills in that trillion dollar bill, and it has nothing to do. It's not a smaller version of the spending bill. The spending bill is something entirely different. There's some okay things in that spending bill that they're currently trying to gut. I mean, they have another proposal where it basically takes out, you know, the free community college. They're taking that out. They're taking all these other things out and it's going to be even less. And keep in mind, this is over the course of 10 years. They spent, what was it, eight trillion, something like that on the Pentagon or or whatever. And and yeah,
0: yeah, it was seven.
1: Yeah, they're fighting over three point five over 10 years Yeah. For for a spending bill that we desperately need for climate action that we desperately need. So, I mean, it's been very painful to watch and it's also been very painful to watch watching, you know, the squad not vote as a block, watching them not use the leverage they do have. I mean, it has been very, very frustrating to see. And I think as constituents, we need to be out there and we need to put the pressure on because, you know, everyone You know, people love to say like, oh, why would you be hard on the squad? They tweet nice things. It's like, well, they're supposed to be our allies and they're not using what power they do have. We all know that they're outnumbered. No one's disputing that. People are just asking them to use the leverage they do have and they're not doing it. And it'd be one thing if it, it'd be one thing if it was mixed where every now and again, it's like, well, you know, a couple people didn't vote this way, so we didn't get this, but there's all these other things. It's always one way, though. It's always, well, they didn't do this, so we didn't get this. They didn't do this, so the Capitol Police got more funding. They didn't do this, so so the Iron Dome's going to happen. It's always one way. And so now it becomes very frustrating. And you know what I always say? I want to be the squad's excuse. That's what I want to be. And what I mean by that is I want to be the person who's out there who's saying, I want them to go, hey, Mama Bear, I know that you don't really like our ideas, but you see those people out there? Those are the people who got us elected, and their support for us is not unconditional. They are policy first, and that's what I am. I am policy first. I don't give two shits about anyone's Twitch stream. I don't give two shits about it. I, I actually I don't follow any politicians on Twitter, none of them. I follow nobody. That is deliberate, and sometimes if I get really annoyed, I freaking mute them. That's deliberate. I don't think any politician should have any followers on Twitter. They should all have a zero Mm -hmm. follower count. And every tweet they issue should be ratioed by people going, Mm -hmm. and what the hell are you doing about it? That's Mm -hmm. the way it should be. They report to us. They're not heroes. They're not celebrities. They're actually part of a horrific garbage system that shouldn't exist and should have been abolished yesterday. But we need them for change. So we have to tolerate them. And we have to pressure them to do what we want. And in my lifetime, for as long as I've been on this planet, the only time a politician has done anything remotely good is when they're scared of losing their job. So people need to be scared that they're going to lose their job if they don't deliver on the policies that we are demanding, because we are freaking policy first. Now, the only politicians I do kind of follow, uh, just to make, make it very clear, are people at the local level. There are some local level people I, I follow. I treat that a little differently. Sure. I'm talking mm-hmm. federal and state right now. Um, but that's my take on electoralism i am not a fan everyone says it's an inside outside approach so i always say outside baby i'm part of the outside that's the only place i belong that's the only place i want to be i don't want to be on that other side of the fence i have no respect for it whatsoever that's why when people ask me oh would you ever run for office no you have to have some respect for our system and i have zero i couldn't run for office I couldn't be colleagues with these people. It takes a different type of person. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that person. In fact, we need those people. I'm just saying it ain't me. Not now, not ever.
0: Um, I agree a lot on a lot of those things. Um, in- including that politicians should be ratioed to hell, that they need to be constantly pressured. It's, I think, uh, unfortunate in many ways that politics has become so social media you know, especially when it comes to AOC, et cetera. It's like, I can tell you have something to say, Go ahead, <laughs> you're,
1: Oh no, no, no. I, I, I was just going to add, like when you said the, the whole social media thing, mm-hmm. um, it's bizarre, you know, I mean, you go to other countries and I'm, I'm not saying anywhere is perfect, but it is bizarre to them the way we just worship these like mm-hmm. it's weird like like, like, like it like it's not even like like they're it's bizarre and and you know i don't mean to disrespect the dead at all but it's bizarre the way we worship judges like like i mean our yeah. rbg like, like that's just it's strange yeah. I mean and I'm not, I mean, I have personal friends of mine. They were RBG for Halloween, you know, like, like the and I, and I wasn't I wasn't like Buzz Kilbagoo on Halloween. I wasn't like, <laughs> did you know that this is bizarre to the rest of the world? Like it, it wasn't the time or place. i was just hoping to have a good time. Yeah. But um, but you know, it's <laughs> strange. It's strange the pedestal we put these people on, and especially when they do the freaking least, they yeah. do the absolute least. We have a complete corporate coup for a government. That's not AOC's fault as an individual. Of course not. That's ludicrous. But you got to be aware of the freaking system she's a part of. And you got to demand that they fight against it because that's what they said they were going to do. That's what they said they were going to freaking do. Absolutely. You know, I mean, I just don't in another country. I mean, in France, if their politicians make them mad, they literally cover their house with shit. That's what yeah, they do. Do they, so they you, it you down. think people are being too hard when they they yell in, into a webcam or, or they talk on YouTube shows in France where they have a way better quality of life than we do. Way 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 better. They will cover their politician's house with shit if they tick them off. So, you know, I I yeah, that there's my. I, I think that covers electoralism for me. I, I don't know what else. <laughs> yeah, I, I released a, a trailer, like a like a trailer of a movie that I'm trying to make, and uh, the premise of the movie. If you guys recall, there was that issue that happened with GameStop and the Robinhood app, where they all bought these uh, shares of a video <laughs> game uh, store to drive the price up and it screwed over a bunch of Wall Street hedgers that were trying to short sell it. A short sell is basically when you borrow a stock for a certain price, and then you sell it right away, so you make all that money, and what you're doing is you're betting on the stock to go down, because you want it to go down, so then when you go to pay up, it's not worth as much as what you borrowed it for. So it'd be like, I borrow a stock for $10, sell it right away, I just made $10, I'm hoping it goes down, So that maybe it's a dollar or something. And I'm like, well, time for me to pay up. Here's my dollar. And I made nine dollars. That's what it is. Because Wall Street, you know, the big ways that Wall Street just treat our entire world like a casino. Mm -hmm. Um, So a bunch of people bought that stock because they got word that people were going to do it. Um, They were going to short sell it. So they bought the stock. It drove the price up. So then when they had to pay up, it was worth more than what they got it for. So uh, I wrote a fictional movie loosely based on that. Again, it, it's not like like a, it's not a documentary, it's not so a historical cool. thing. Yeah. It is fiction. But uh, the premise of it is a uh, a struggling writer in Hollywood is tired of being pushed around by his Wall Street brother and tired of being talked down to by his Wall Street brother. So he gets wind that his brother is trying to short sell um a video game store. We changed the name of the store. We call it Game <laughs> Bites. Um, but, uh, they're trying to short sell a video game store. So the, uh, writer brother goes and orchestrates this big effort online, kind of like what they did on Reddit. And he orchestrates this big effort online to, uh, screw over his Hollywood brother. And again, it's loosely based on what really happened with, uh, wall, uh, with, um, you know, the, uh, the GameStop thing. And I play the struggling writer brother. And my brother is played by uh, Gareth Reynolds, who if you listen to the dollop podcast, you know, Gareth, very, very funny guy. And uh, Gareth plays my brother. And uh, yeah, there's a lot of other uh, cool folks who who you may know that I'm trying to get involved with it. And another thing I'll mention now before you play the trailer is um, there's a scene in the movie where we're actually gonna need um, basically fake news clips and what we want to do for that is we want actual youtube channels to make fake news clips That's so for us cool. so yeah so hopefully status quo <laughs> cool will make a yeah, news clip and hell and, yeah. and all you know so we're going to have like a big collage because it's like the main character finds out some news you know i don't want to give anything away but like we're going to have <laughs> these fake news clips and they're going to be actual youtube channels so so it's kind of like a blending of all of my worlds. Like it's a blending of the comedy world. It's a blending of the film world. It's a blending of the YouTube content world all in this one project. And it'll be a kind of cool thing because it's like we're hoping to take it to film festivals and screen yeah. it all over the freaking world, hopefully. Mm-hmm. So this will be like a bunch of shows, will be on like the big screen. So, oh, so, so
0: I'm so excited. I need you to send me send me the script after this. That's so exciting. <laughs> <laughs> I want to read it. We'll do. Very cool. I Colin, pop up that trailer. <laughs>
1: I'm gonna propose shut up God I hope Sarah says yes man that would be shocking well the whole thing's been shocking <laughs> as an outsider like the first time I saw you with her I was like you know what I mean it le- you look like you want a reality show and she's you know I'm happy because I didn't think there was any way this would last this long thanks. I'm a writer. My more successful brother, he's on Wall Street. I don't know how it happened. So,
0: how is Don? He's Don. It's Tiffany. They want to meet up tonight. Don has some exciting news.
1: Time to send the cliff notes to who gives a shit at Gmail.
0: John, come on. He's your brother.
1: Not my call. He wouldn't understand. You wouldn't understand. The whole thing with Wall Street, John, is how complicated it is, okay? Like, we're going to short-sell Game Bites, but to you, you wouldn't understand. You know, I bet I would.
0: John, I just can't anymore. Save your drama for the page. I just can't.
1: What are you saying?
0: I think we need a break.
1: Awesome. No girlfriend. No work, no agent. Is this rock bottom? We're gonna do a short sell, you wouldn't understand. By the way, short selling, not that difficult. In a video game store, that's a pretty safe bet. The only way that could go wrong is if... ...is if... <laughs> game Bites. we need to buy shares of it.
0: What? Why?
1: A bunch of hedgers are trying to short sell it. We all buy shares. That drives the price up. Then, when they go to pay up, it's worth more than what they paid for it. We win, they lose. You know, they always say if you can't beat them, join them. They never say join them, to beat them. Kind of beat them at their own game. I'm
0: really passionate about this.
1: It's personal. We'll
0: start buying slowly. I've got some big names involved, too. By the time the markets close, it should be at least double the price. I'll be able to pay for my surgery. I'll be able to knock out all that student loan debt. If we pull this off, it'll only be the beginning. They'll fear us because they'll have to. And you know what destroys a market? Fear. Let's do this. I love it. I'm so excited. Oh my gosh. That's so cool. Um, I have a lot of, well, I have some questions. Not a lot of questions. I know you have to go, but Colin, pop up the GoFundMe link and let's uh, run. Go ahead. Tell, tell the people what to do
1: yeah i mean uh please do check it out you can just uh i know they left the link in the chat right there and uh you know if you need it later you can just go to gofundme.com type in left it wall and it comes up and um yeah everyone who gives you get a personalized thank you on my podcast i'll uh give you a thank you on get your news on with ron if you give uh a little bit like if you give a hundred bucks or more you get your name in the credits and uh, we're also going to be doing a virtual screening when it comes out, and there will be a QA and a with the cast. So uh, there's, you know, some fun little perks if you give. It's not like anything, um, you know, like, like tangible or anything, but there's, you know, thank yous and, and ways to show our appreciation. Um, so please do check it out. And if you are able to contribute, um, you know, please do consider it. I know there's a lot of uh, awesome causes out there that are worthy of your hard-earned dollars. But if you got some despair spare and you want to help get this movie made, uh, you know, please do make a contribution.
0: Talk a little bit about like, so when people help fund this, it goes to um, paying actors, paying locations like, yeah. What is it? Uh, what are people funding exactly?
1: Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, crew and uh, DPs, which is directors of photography. I mean, they're um, they're expensive, you know, I mean, uh, you know, they're not they, they don't work for free, nor should they. Um, you know, I, I will say that everyone involved with this project really wants to be part of it. So, you know, I'm pretty lucky in that regard, but, um, but yeah, I mean, everyone definitely needs to get paid and I need to pay all the actors and I need to pay all the crew and I need to have food available each Mm -hmm. day that we shoot. Mm -hmm. Um, we, the way I wrote this film, I wrote it with the intention of making it. So, there's only like one or two scenes that like the location might get a little tricky and might cost some money. Everything else, we're just kind of going to be like on site doing our thing. Yeah. But, um, but, uh, but there is like there's one bar scene. So, you know, I'm going to have to pay for that location, which is also not cheap. So, yeah, yeah making sure. a movie is a very expensive endeavor. And, um, you know, but, uh, but I have, uh, you know, between crowdfunding and hopefully some investors and, uh, you know, my own personal, you know, I funded the trailer myself. I just funded it, you know, with my own money. And I was like, we're going to make a trailer to, you know, like foreshadow the movie we're going to make. It is Mm -hmm. totally a trailer, meaning none of those scenes are going to be in the actual movie. It's two separate things, but, uh, but that's what the movie's about. And, um, and yeah, I mean, I, have been, this is like one of those, um, you know, like kind of foot in the sand moments or, or what is stake in the sand? What's the phrase? But, um, you know, <laughs> every comedian kind of has that where you're really just sort of like, this is who I am. And for me, it's like, you know, I've been wanting to get into scripted for a long time. Mm. Uh, you know, I've, I've written tons of pilots that have never seen the light of day because no one's purchased them. Um, and this is, you know, the first thing I wrote, not the for only. For non-Hollywood
0: thing I wrote. people, that's like a first episode to a, a oh, potential yeah. show, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank <laughs> yeah.
1: you for that. Yes, yes, you're right. Yes, yeah. Pilot's like a like an episode for a show, and then like you you pitch it to a bunch of networks, um, and then you write what's called a bible where you kind of like flesh out what a season would look like. And then if you're lucky, the network tells you to go fuck yourself as opposed to nothing at all. And and that's yeah. showbiz kids. It's great. That's but, um, <laughs> yeah. but, um, but yeah, so this is the first thing I wrote, not the only thing I've written, but the first thing that I've written where it's like, I'm writing this with the intention of making it. So I'm going to put my freaking, you know, I'm just putting it out there and I'm like, I'm going to make this freaking thing. Um, so, so that's, That's, you know, that's, what's going to happen. We're going to break ground hopefully very soon. Hell yeah. And, uh, and we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna make this movie.